online camera etiquette, you you don't show your your pants or lack thereof in in the cases of some people. And welcome back to the Refactor Podcast, the show where we try and help ourselves and you suck just a little bit less each and every day, recorded live from the basement of the Ivory Tower. My name is Frank Cole. And from the brink of sanity, my name is Chris Tonkinson. And this is episode 94, recorded on January 10th, 2023. I, I got to start right here. I, my mind, I'm going insane. I'm Do sorry. not touch my display. <laughs> Do not put your greasy, disgusting, bacteria-addled fingers and smear them across my screen. This is, I'm, I'm going nuts over here. Now, that, that particular, uh, anybody, I'll link this in the show notes. Uh, Jeff Atwood did an amazing post on this about cleaning your display and keyboard. Mm-hmm. Like literally 20, no. That can't be no 14 years ago. Um, mm. And he's got a he's got a post from uh, 12 May 2008 called cleaning your display and keyboard. And he talks about the two kinds of programmers. There are the ones that will quote programmer you know, <laughs> two types of programmers. Here's what I really meant. Program one programmers who touch displays with their greasy, disgusting, bacteria addled fingers <laughs> Two programmers who don't. Those are the two types. <laughs> Those and that, are the two types of programs. That extends. That extends to humans. There are humans that will touch displays, and there are humans that won't. Mm-hmm. Um, the former are on an express train to the seventh circle of Hades, and the latter they have a chance. Uh, but there's a picture. The, the reason I bring this up. There's a, the, not the reason, but I bring this up because on the post. Uh, he's got a picture of what he thinks of every time you touch my screen. For the last 14 years, that photo comes to mind whenever someone touches one of my displays. The reason this comes up uh, is because over the holidays and stuff, uh, I've had the uh, I've had the laptop out and about the house a lot more. We're milling around, doing stuff. It's on the counter, whatever. I open it up to look at something. Inevitably, one of the kids comes over and smears an entire hand of jelly or boogers across the screen, <laughs> especially the toddler. Um my wife is one of the people that's on the express train to the seventh circle of my hatred with the touching the screens. I, I was on a, I, I was on a business trip, uh, recently and that, uh, the conference room, you know, it was a, it was a, a room set up for teleconferencing. So there was a, a zoom integrated, um, camera sound bar under a under a big screen tv right on the wall and somebody kept getting up to point at things on the screen and touching the tv it uh, do you have this same are you afflicted by this this brand of ocd this drives me nuts (laughs) i do not touch them but it's less about being gross and more about just not wanting to damage the display itself because if you push Mm -hmm. it doesn't take a whole lot of pressure to bust one of these one of these displays. Well, so that's a good, that's actually a good point. It, it doesn't, it takes more than it used to. Takes so more if than you rewind to, yes. 10 or 20 years with flat panels, it was a lot easier. Yeah, you, that is absolutely could, true. You, you can could, cause direct damage. I mean, you could poke it the way you would, you know, the way that I would poke you in the chest. If, well, when I'm really cheesed off at you, like, Hey buddy, like, you know, really, yeah, that would, like, which is like, which all, is like all most time. of the time. Most of the time. Like, all the times. Most right. to all of the most, times. <laughs> most to all. Yes. It's four to five stars <laughs> on that one. And it would leave a discolored bleh yeah. in the middle of the screen. Uh, you don't need to do that as much now. It would work its way out over the course of minutes, if ever. Yeah. Uh, now, on the flip side, though, I'm not one to clean them religiously. In fact, right now, I have on my main monitor a giant smudge in the middle that shows up in dark scenes of television shows and movies oh my when I'm watching them on my computer. Mm. And every time I see it, I go, oh man, I really need to clean that. And and then I don't clean that. <laughs> so I wasted a bunch, well, not wasted, but I wasted a bunch of, t- I think I've complained before recently about um, 
the the tangled rat's nest of nonsense off the side of my desk since I took my PC tower out and bought the uh, laptop. Um, I finally wasted some calories over the weekend or reorganizing my office, um, which is why we had audio issues starting the show because I'm now uh, recording from a different device. Um, and so things are behaving differently and I've got to work through the details. But um, I never, and this was kind of spurred on by... Um, we talked, is it the last time or time before I forgot, uh, but we talked about your KVM situation. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious if you made any progress there. I, I looked far and wide. Um, my situation is different than yours. I have a single display, uh, which can either be HDMI or DisplayPort. Um, my constraints, so I'm looking for both my work and personal laptop have USB-C connections. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, or they're, they're USB-C lightning, you know, compatible, whatever. Um, and my constraint though, if I look for USB-C KVM switches, you can, you can actually find some and, yeah. and some are more reputable than others. The issue I run into is that a lot of them, um, they, they, they're designed for like more than one monitor, which I don't, it, takes up like I don't need that I just have one display um, the real problem though the real constraint I run is that I need four USB-A outputs mm. and most of them stop at three yeah. um, so I haven't actually solved the problem I've iterated towards I've made progress but it's not perfect uh, right now I'm running where uh, actually my like ThinkPad dock for my work laptop has four USB. I, I didn't, I actually didn't know the fourth was there. I thought it was three. Um, mm. That's got four USB-A out. Um, so I'm using that and then I'm just switching the USB-C cable between the laptops when I want to switch, you know, during the day it's in on the work machine. And then um, at night I, I plug it into my MacBook. Um, so that's kind of like my current iteration of my, my setup. I think I still want to try to find like literally like one to two USB-C in to out switch so I can click a button. So I'm not constantly moving. I mean, I've elevated, I put them, put the laptops, uh, the dock, the uh, audio interface device all on like a nice rack. Uh, that's on a new cabinet that I, that I built. So, so, so like I've got some organization, but I still don't want to be moving cables all the time for mm -hmm. all of the reasons that you don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's kind of, that's kind of where I am at the moment. Uh, but I wonder if you made any progress on your, your mm. setup or. Uh, so I have, and uh, before we go further, your audio just dropped through the floor while, while you were finishing that there, you like your volume dropped. So check oh, your audio. Right. Did, it, did, did oh, this yeah. do any better? Yep. Am yeah, I back? Yeah, you're back up. Okay. Yeah, back yep. up, so. Still working out kinks. Okay. I, I apologize it's for that. A, right it's, there. it's all good. Uh, so I am using, uh, a, I am using a USB switcher and it has four ports. Uh, they are the standard USB port, not the new USB-C, the USB, that's the USB-A port, right? The square one, the, the old, the one that most yeah, yeah, motherboards have. Yep. Yeah, yeah, A is, a is a the is one the, that has the superposition yes. where you, you try it one side, yes. you try it the other side, and then you have to try it the third side before it And then the third side works um, invariably, right. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and it's always three tries. It's like a quantum entanglement. You wouldn't understand. Um, and then USB-B is the weird one that seemingly only printers ever used. And I'm not sure the, the technical history behind that. But like block, right? It's, 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 yeah, it's, a, it's more square and then it's got mm -hmm. that hump on the top. Um, I don't know what the history is of that or why it was mostly used for, like some other stuff used it. Like even stuff today still uses it, but... Uh, printers often I found had that weird. I have a, I have one that has, I have a USB hub that uses that format for, yeah. for USB 3.0 high speed, uh, for whatever reason that mm -hmm. we went with that cable. Anyway, so I have a switch with four. And ports then C is the lightning. Yeah. 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 Uh, I have uh, a four port USB switcher that I switch back and forth, my keyboard, mm -hmm. mouse, and, uh, some other things. I forget what, and I have two monitors hooked up. And, uh, that is sufficient. That has, that has worked for me. Now I have the, I'm using my, my microphone and my, um, my audio box, my, my focus, right. I also switch those, but I don't have that wired in because one, my, my USB switcher doesn't have a port for a USB C cable. And two, uh -huh. I don't want that box wired into the USB switcher. I, I don't, I don't want to right. ruin the sound 
quality. I just, Mm -hmm. it just won't work. So I have to manually flip flop that cable when I, when I switch for different meetings, which is annoying for sure. I just don't, there is no solution to that. If I use that box on the different machines, I have to flip it. So there's, there's no choice. So that's what I ended up doing. I now have a four monitor setup. I have a 4k in the middle, two portraits on either side. And now I have this 1080p cheapo above my main driver where I use my, my internal secure laptop. So everyone, when I'm Mm -hmm. on meetings with, with people at work now, they see me looking up at them looking like like I'm steering, like I'm staring at the ceiling. Uh, but it's Mm -hmm. the best, it's the best I could do. And, uh, yeah, it is, uh, it is, it's a good excuse for just being dumbfounded all the time. Right. I like that. That's creative. Now, where is your, so you got, you got a All right. So you got a, you got a a bigger screen in the mirror. Your, your 10, eight, your portraits are on either side. Mm Mm-hmm. And I have the, yes. Okay. And then you've got a 1080 above. Where mm-hmm. is your camera? The camera is sitting on top of the, on top of the middle monitor between the two monitors. So I have a small Okay. Gap. So you have the other one. I have gotcha. The, okay. I have, That's I have, what I thought. Yeah. Cause otherwise the cameras would be looking down basically from the ceiling. It would be, that would just be ridiculous. So I have the, yeah. I have, and I have two, mo- I have two cameras. I have one camera. And besides, my, you don't want anybody. Right. And besides, you don't want anybody like potentially looking down your hoodie, you know, because that could be like not safe for work. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need that. And you don't want people like general online camera etiquette. You, you don't show your, your pants or lack thereof. And in the cases of some people, right. You you know they don't need to see your pants on camera. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, right. So you don't show I take, and I take a, and I have a very, uh, I, I have a very conservative view on that. Um, so just to be sure that nobody sees my pants on camera, I just don't wear them. Mm, that way, in mm, case I stand mm-hmm. up, you know, it's we're not running in the risk of, yeah, of yeah, any yeah. of that shenanigans. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. You you go. But uh, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I uh, so all of this, I'm reorganizing the office. I'm moving stuff around. I got you know furniture i'm cleaning up because i'm a slob and i you know tend to clean up once about a decade or so mm-hmm. um and uh i went and i bought now in the drawer i have um uh, you know i was at whatever uh uh office wh- whatever the store is called i think like staples and office max and office depot i think they all like merged at some point under one of the brands i don't know mm-hmm. um but there's one down the road so i um i've now got a, a can of like dedicated display cleaning wipes um, oh, <laughs> in my drawer to keep everything. No, it, well, because, and I, and I have uh, on my OS is like, I always do light on dark. So if there's a dark theme, like on my phone, on my desktop, in, in apps that support it, I always do a dark mode. Um, mm-hmm. And like the smudges and stuff are just more obvious to me, at least uh, with a darker screen. Like you mentioned, dark scenes of TV shows, like you see it for some reason more. Um, and I'm like innately, like I'm genetically predisposed to hating even like little, a mode of dust will bother me. I have to, I can't, I'm, mm. I'm borderline mm. psychotic. Yeah. Borderline. Yeah. Yeah. Borderline. Yeah. Sure. Not maybe over. Yeah. That's maybe it. That's my story. That's my story. <laughs> that is on the record. It's borderline. Um, <laughs> I also I was playing around. I know you've been a fan of Kindle for like. Love for like ever. Love Kindle. Um, I, uh, Santa Claus brought me a Kindle, hey, uh, which I had asked for. Um, well, yeah, I was curious and I had a, a specific use case and blah. I, I, I like it. I still, I mm-hmm. have this like, uh, one of, I, you know, I have a whole collection over here on my built ins. One of my tinfoil hats is reserved for not liking the fact that Uncle Jeff can revoke my books if he so deems fit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you I set that like aside, that. I, I, I really like the device. It's the base model. Uh, it's nothing special, the but it's the base weight. model Kindle and it, yeah, the paperweight and it just, it gets the gerb done. I'm, I'm shocked at, uh, how legible it is. Uh, I really like how light it is portable. Um, the battery seems pretty good. It is, I don't know if the former ones were, but this one's USB-C charging, which also fit into my office. Like mm-hmm. gave me the, cause I'm like, okay, now I, I recently got a new, um, uh, like battery pack for my phone, like especially when I travel, it's an extra battery for the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, that's USB C. The Kindle's USB C. So I I have a cable like I have a, a 
USB-C charging cable on my desk that I can, you know, whatever needs to be charged at the moment. Um, and it's great, but I wonder if you have any, uh, like how do you, if I have like an ebook, can I just put that on the Kindle? Uh, there is, there are some projects. I haven't used them in a couple of years, but there are some open source ebook Kindle syncing projects that, mm -hmm. uh, purport to, to work with the Kindles. Uh, it's a little bit of jailbreaky type of stuff where, you know, you're, you're taking your, you're, I don't know if it's necessarily voiding warranties, but you're in the, I void warranties uh, yeah. type of areas where right. it will allow you to put your own <laughs> crap on, on, on a Kindle. I want that bumper sticker. I void warranties. I void warranties. <laughs> it, it's, it's out there. You can get it. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and you should make it, it could be like, it could look like a red sticker that's broken, you know? <laughs> That'd be funny. I, nice. I hate bumper stickers. I, I will never put a sticker on any of my but vehicles, this one, but you that would. one just seems... This one, you, you might. No, I wouldn't. I will say that I would because it's funny, but I wouldn't actually but you do would. it. Uh, so there are, I, I would have to, I would have to go and find the, the project, but there are some open source ebook managers that will connect with the Kindle in a, in a void warranty style way and allow you to push your own stuff up. I, I generally like those. That's, that's pretty handy. And they usually, the software that runs on your, on your desktop has a local reader so you can open stuff too if you want it's uh it's open source and it kind of looks this looks that way um but again i'm going back several years by default i i know of no way to to do it kindle does not you know kindle does not mm -hmm. allow amazon does not allow as far as i can tell i i haven't although honestly i haven't really pushed that hard i use it yeah. to buy books and yeah. uh I, I do that because I want to support the authors that I read because most of their mm -hmm. stuff, as soon as they publish it, it's out on the internet. You can find the books for free in a menagerie of places, but I, uh, I, I do want to support them, but I, I, I stopped, I stopped wanting to collect crap in my house long ago and books while I love books and love having them. They, take up a lot of space and at the rate at which mm -hmm. I read, I would have run out of bookshelf space a long time ago. So I have, have stopped doing that and, and I, and I buy the, the Kindle version. Plus when I find new authors and they have uh, a sequence of stuff or a series of things that I want to read, it allows me to read them in order without having to order them and, and wait. So, um, so yeah, there are some tools that'll, that'll do that. You know, your, your mileage may vary, but they're, they are, they are out there. I don't know what the jailbreaking yeah. situation looks like on Kindles these days. Uh, I had a second or third generation. It was relatively easy to do. You had to USB some mm -hmm. files into the device because it does show up as a USB device. I think you can put PDFs on them. I think that's something that oh, they okay. allow. It shows up as like a USB device and, and you can do that. Uh, I don't know. Again, I don't know if that's the case anymore or not. I haven't played with it. And, uh, right. so you would put this little file on the device and jailbreak it and, you know, jailbreak the start. Right. And, yeah. and, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, that was cool because I was able to change the, the, um, the power down screen and you could put your own, oh, you put yeah. your own images in there, which that, that was kind of, that was kind of right. cool. Um, question here's a, a more useful, more immediately useful tip. Does your device currently show ads when you turn it off? Your paper white? Does it show? No, ads? I I bought out of that immediately. There were two things that I I bought. I bought out of the ads, and then um, I bought a book. The book that I have paper sitting on the shelf that I'm in the middle of. I just bought it there to see, I you know, am, to play with. It's a shame we didn't have this conversation sooner. I could have saved you the money on that buyout. You don't need to buy that. What you can do is you can contact customer support, just just online chat customer support, and say. I want to remove these ads and tell them that the device is for a minor or, you know, some other excuse and they'll take the ads off for free. They don't, they don't fight you. Oh, they'll the just ads. pull it off. They'll okay. just pull it off. <laughs> now they, I mean, they want you to buy their service, but if you contact, if you could take, go through the effort of contacting customer support and telling them that the device is being used by minors or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. and I mean, minors, O-R, not E-R, not, not crypto minors, the hell with those guys. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to, I thought, they'll like fix we're in, it for we're you in right coal there. country. I thought, 
you know, miners, you got to specify you do. <laughs> and, and actually, if the device is online and connected while they're doing that, you can basically, while they're chatting and say, okay, I fixed it. You power it off, you power it back on and bloop, they're gone. Right. So, yeah, uh, we actually thought about doing that. There's a, I guess, I guess there's like a, like a kid family toggle or something. We th- my yeah. wife's got a, a very old one, like one of the OG Kindles that still works. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it was funny because she got me, I, I got her one too, um, that, a newer <laughs> one. Um, so we were thinking about doing that and given, given one of my son is like a super avid reader. Um, mm. So we're actually thinking about, about giving it to him because I got some lockdown mode or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I know uh, they've got some he can, kid mode stuff can, on it. But he can like, I, with our local public library, they can borrow eBooks from the library yeah. through the Kindle somehow. So yeah, that's I mean, pretty cool. Yeah, I would actually... Um, before I like, I like having the books. I like the immediacy and I like not having to, you know, um, the library does not always have the, the largest, uh, collection, but I gotta say support your local library, not because, Oh, support oh, your local library. Not because of that. No, they've got a lot of cool crap in libraries today. I would, I am super jealous of my kids and the library that they have today. Mm-hmm. They have, oh, they've yeah. got the eBooks, they have music, they've got on-demand services that you can go and like get stuff from them online straight mm. up. They have 3D printing services. There's all kinds of cool crap in the in the libraries today. Now, part of this, I understand, yeah. is going to be adaptation for the internet age. They've had to evolve what they're doing to keep themselves relevant, which is great. I mean, that's, that's capitalism. I love it. You know, that's, is, is, you know, adaptation is great. There's so much cool stuff there now. So if you haven't been to a library in the last, I don't know, 10 years, which I, I think is probably going to be more of our audience than, than you might think it's worth going and checking out. Cause especially the bigger ones, you're going to have a ton of stuff there that you can do aside from just books. Really neat. I really will say neat. that like there's this weird, uh, you know, there's a stereotype about librarians being, uh, you know, noise abhorring trolls, and you know, there's there's some truth to there. Um, but it's it's weird because if you talk to, because I know several librarians actually, uh, and you talk to them, and they they actually have a rather progress. Now these are younger, right? Not the older ones necessarily. I don't know many older librarians. Um, I actually have like a generally a very kind of progressive, very kind of countercultural take on things. Um, you would expect that it was surprised me when I was when I was new to hearing them talk about their uh, domain. Um, but even 10, 15 years ago, it was already like, yeah, like books are, you know, not books are dead. You know, you never hear librarians say books are dead, but like they recognized even then that books are kind of dead. And yeah the library itself is more about access to information than leaves of paper. And, yeah, and th- that adaptation trees. had already started at that point. Um, and so to hear them talk about integration with technology and like what other kinds of services can the library, both in a school setting or in a public setting, uh, what, what should they provide? How do they think about that? How do they think about access to hear a, um, a mo- I'll say modern librarians take on, um, uh, censorship is is interesting, right? Mm. Like, there's a lot of interesting conversations that that I've had. Um, you know, I still think uh, parks are better than libraries, right? But <laughs> um, <laughs> my Ron Swanson moment. No, yeah. but but seriously, uh, public. Like, if you no, I'll just echo what you said. If uh, if anybody has not been to their public library lately, like, go support them. Because uh, they probably have a lot of cool stuff that you didn't realize that they had. Yeah, um, yeah. We take our kids to the, the library all the time. They love it. There's, you know, they 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 they'll pull they'll rent games, uh, rent, borrow. I don't know what the lend. Yes, uh, lend. They'll, they'll abs, abscond, abscond for abscond. free with games. I like abscond. Yeah, um, let's go with abscond. abscond. Yeah, because there's mm-hmm. a certain impishness, like a like an, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> they'll abscond with games. Um, they have like toys. There's a like a playroom in the library that the, the toddler absolutely goes bonkers for. Um, the computers. I mean, it's just it's a really cool space. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's why I'd second that record. Yeah, and for and for 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 tech folks too, um, the databases that they give you access to now uh, that has gotten significantly bigger too in in recent years. It used to be the purview of you know college libraries exclusively. You would get you know 
heavy, heavy database uh, availability. And now they've got things that you, know, you, you can get all sorts of peer reviewed journals and all, you know, like things that are harder to find or that you can find online yourself, but you would have to pay. Go to the library and check it out. It's, it's, uh, it's all there. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that's a total, where's my, where's my drink? That's a total random. That's a little bit of stuff, but like an, like an acceptable one. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah. Your, yeah. Your local library is pretty cool. Yeah. So I have a small update uh, on the last past discussion we had in the, in the last episode. Oh, we were, yes. We were concerned about yes. that. So I reached out to LastPass customer support. Um, for those who didn't listen to it, LastPass massive breach. You can read about it on the internet. You can listen to our old episodes. If I can ever actually get them up on the, uh, get them up and out. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm the blocker this week. That's, that's, that's on me. I went out of my my way not not to say anything because ordinarily it's the other way around. So no, no, it's, it's my, my, my bad. Everybody is the third saddest thing I've heard. Yeah. So I, I apologize for that. I spoke with, uh, the open question we had in that last episode was, okay, the, the, the stuff is out there. And according to LastPass, the URLs are exposed. That's that's not uh-huh. encrypted. What else isn't encrypted? Because I had information, for example, in the notes field. And so I did a little bit of yeah. research. First of all, I am not the only person with this question because I found several uh-huh. random internet posts on support forums and Reddit chats and things. And people were saying the same thing because they... LastPass's uh, announcement went out of their way to say secure notes are totally secure. You don't need to worry about. It. Well, secure note is another entry, so you have a it's password a entry. Section. It's a it's yeah, a different and a secure element. Note section. It's a different item, and so, no, not the secure notes jack wagon. The notes field in the field password. on the entry, and people were asking the same thing. So everyone had the same fl- uh, flustered answer. So I actually reached out directly to customer support because I was a paying customer, and I was able to get somebody on the phone twenty four seven. They confirmed for me that no, notes are encrypted. So the notes are encrypted. The only thing, and I actually asked them very explicitly, I said, okay, other than the URL, is there any other information that I can enter into your application that is not encrypted? And they said, the only thing that is not encrypted is the URL. He, they said that flat out. So all of, all of that okay. other stuff is so completely follow encrypted. follow-up question. Follow-on question, how long has that been the case? That's a good question. I didn't ask that. This was like a level one because we also, guy, so. Yeah, because we also, yeah, because it's because it's, it's two things. How long has that been true? That may have been a recent change they did in the last week, and now they're <laughs> able to say, oh, yes, everything but the URL is encrypted. Uh, so when, when <laughs> since when, uh, is my first question. And two, um, I, has, does anybody know how old or from what time, whether it was yeah. a point in time, when were they from or, or what time range they yeah. covered? Cause I haven't seen any information on that yet and it could be important. So I, I, he did tell me in the course of the conversation, he mentioned that they are preparing a follow-up common FAQ okay. on the breach. Gotcha. One of the things that they will include in that is obviously my question about the notes field, but they said that they are preparing it. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it yet, but they are going to be pushing that out uh, supposedly. So this is going mm-hmm. back a couple weeks though, because I, I kind of expected to see some news about it and I haven't. So either they released it quietly and I missed it or they just haven't come out with it yet. I'm, I'm honestly not sure. There's a you know little bit of a, a little bit of an, a little bit of an update. Um, any, uh, let's see here. I had actually, I did have something that we can talk about. It's a little bit of a, call it a new segment, but before I do that, was there anything else on your talking points for today? Um, no, I think, uh, no, nothing. Or no, if you've, if you've got something to pull out, let's, uh, let's do that. Okay. So I had this idea and, uh, as usual in, in typical refactored fashion, this is something I came up with on my own and I didn't tell Chris about it at all. And so we're getting his live real time reaction to this whole thing right now. In addition to our pleas for, uh, Q and A's via email, there's already a lot of people asking hey, questions. Yeah. What uh, can you can you double check your? I'm getting some network issues. Network uh, issues here. Right. I don't know if you, I'm I'm looking. Yeah, I'm not doing anything right now. No, 
I don't see anything. You're good. Right. I'm good. <clears throat> okay. So, all right. I'll mark that. I'll rip it out. Don't worry. Yeah. Sorry. So in addition, I'm to getting our- once in a while. I'm getting your your signal turns yellow, and I'm trying to figure out whether it's your side or mine. But okay. Uh, um, keep keep working yeah. on it, and I will look at my stuff here in the background. Just I'll just yeah, make sure. Yeah. So sorry, okay. sorry for the the false start there. That's all right. I'll I'll, I'll move the mark. Sorry. <laughs> in addition to our uh, you know individual Q and A that we that we work into the show, there's already a lot of stuff on the internet where people are asking questions about programming and network and managing programmers and all that kind of stuff. And so, rather than the questions coming to us, I thought maybe we could go to the questions and handle things in a segment that I am tentatively calling Ask the Internet. Oh my God, movable printed type. <laughs> so today, <laughs> today I found a useful, uh, interesting question, and I thought it was uh, pretty relevant for us over in, uh, in Reddit in their Ask Programming channel. And so we'll link it so you can see it, but I'll read it off here and you know, we can sort of talk about it. That was the idea. So Title, need opinions from fee- from people with experience in the industry. I'd like to think we qualify. So a few years back, I started a coding boot camp, and it was kind of bad, to be honest. Well, I mean, we've talked about that quite a bit in the past, haven't we? Not shocking? Not shocking. Yeah, they, they, they tend to be hit or miss with a lot of miss. It was kind of bad, so I didn't finish it through. Okay, I can understand that. Don't know if it was the instructor itself or me. It was probably the instructor. Anyway, I ended up in UI UX design. Cool. About done with this course. Oh, he took another course. Okay. Uh, About done with this course, but questioning my decision. To be 100% honest, it's not all about the money, but I grew up very poor and just never want to be in that situation again. I have some pretty bad ADHD, also super common with engineers. So focusing on either for extended periods of time, I'm saying, I'm, I assume he means either meaning UI or UX or maybe programming. Um, focusing on either for extended periods of time is a pain, but into the question, not out of the question, I guess he means. Looking at the industry in the future and the past, what would you do in my situation? I understand this might be a English as a second language question. I understand knowing more on the front and back end while doing UI UX would land me a nice job. However, I feel that if I know both, I'll end up with an ungodly heavy workload with inadequate compensation. If you could go back, what would you have done differently? Uh, opinions positive and negative are, are welcome. So there you go. So this is a, somebody who's looking to bring in the industry thought programming switch to UI UX now thinking both but oh no I don't want to you know be slave labor what do you think uh well to the point if you could go back what would you do differently is I would tell zero I would tell absolutely none family and friends that I was studying computer science because I am sick and tired of fixing <laughs> wi-fi and printers <laughs> I'm sick of it. So I'm, up, I'm, I am up to here with Wi-Fi and printer issues. Uh, it's very true. I think to, answer, to answer the question for real, my gut reaction kind of didn't change through that whole thing. And I understand why OP is asking the question. Um, if you're even in this market, if you are, how do I put it? In this market, if you are barely qualified or better for any type of software job, you are going to have an ungodly amount of work in front of you. Yeah, <laughs> that is a good. Th- I mean, that is that's why we see uh, the wage pressure that we see. That's why we see the talent problems that we're struggling with. I mean, like if you are if you are minimally qualified for any type, whether it's back end, it's front end, it's full stack, it's you know, and even related fields, right? A UI, UX design and development, information architecture, you look at uh, data engineering, like anything involved in that, you are going to have an ungodly amount of work. Um, and so especially when maybe you work for um, a company that allows, you know, hybrid or full remote or, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, by the way, fast paced is a little bit of a red flag on a uh, on a job posting. Like a house um, that's cozy. Yeah, exactly. It's got character. It's got um, character. Fixer uppers. 
It's a dynamic environment, fast paced, right? Um, yeah, that's don't go there. Yeah, you're just you're going to have more work uh, than you can handle, and so it becomes an exercise of uh, how much you want to do and setting personal boundaries at that. Point. Yeah, I, I would actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to double down that a little bit because you know the. I, I think no matter what your job is, UI UX, th- those people are super busy for sure. Uh, programmers are busy, whether they're front or back end or full stack. Uh, they they are also super busy. It's really a question of the the environment in which you work. And like you said, the boundaries that you set for yourself. One of the things that I have been coaching engineers on uh, a lot, but I've actually been focused on it more recently, is how engineers can act as a act as their own best advocate in behaving like a sort of like I, I just I describe it as a digital attorney. So you are uh, if you've uh, if you've ever had the unfortunate pleasure of working with an attorney, they. They they have a basic formula. You know, you go to them with the problem, you explain it to the best of your ability. They ask follow up questions that are specific to your situation to get them to better understanding. And I I so love the attorney analogy. Oh, the attorney analogy is it's it's awesome. So they'll ask chef's you fo- kiss. They'll ask they'll ask follow up questions that things that you didn't think to you know that you didn't know or think to offer. They they, they extract the details they need to understand your situation as best they can. They say, okay, give me a day go back. I'm going to do some research, figure things out. And they come back to you a day or two later. Okay. Based on your situation, here are your options, A, B, and C. A is faster. B is riskier. C is cheaper. Uh, Based on my experience in dealing with this stuff, my recommendation is option A and here's why. But you, client, this is your situation and you have to deal with it. I am an agent acting on your behalf. So you pick the one you want to do. Okay. That's the lawyer formula. That is literally what every engineer should do with every project they ever get from a business client. Every single stop. time. It is, that is the formula. If, if you do that, this notion of having an, a quote ungodly heavy workload sort of goes away. It, it, it's not obvious in how that happens, though, because what you're doing here is you're explaining the situation to the best of your knowledge and you're presenting them with the options. And then they, the client, the business person is the one making the decision that and now they have agency and responsibility over the outcome. And so you're able to keep yourself out of the middle. You're the person who's just doing the work. Really, the relationship, the transaction is between the person who needs the work done and then the, you know, the output of that work, you know, the, 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 the result of it. it. It's a way to keep yourself out of the middle as the perceived bottleneck. And engineers are terrible at this. They all screw this up because what ends up happening is, okay, client needs this thing and they needed it last Tuesday. And what, is, you know, what do most engineers do? They Okay, I, I guess I'll go no life here for the next two weeks, 80 hour work weeks, and just, you know, crank this thing out because it needs to be done. Well, no, no, you, you don't need to do that. And if you're in an ecosystem where that is actually uh, demanded of you, then that's a, that's a toxic space and you don't need to be there. The job That's a whole in, different thing. That's a yeah. whole different thing. We've talked about that before. You don't need to be in that space. Get out there. The, the, Jobs are in such high demand that you can go to places where that is not the case. You don't need to settle for that crap. Yeah. So uh, let's assume. Well, that's the other thing the is there's there's almost like um, there's almost like a like a toxic empathy because I know a lot of developers are I like myself. Oh, that's um, a good call. I like that. Toxic really, empathy. like really understand, um, really understand that the technology is there to support the business, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Really understand that it is a support, it is a service role. Um, Really identify when you are able to uh, exhibit servant leadership. Like this resonates, I think, with a lot of technologists. And then I think it can go too far where they yield on their own boundaries. So when somebody says, hey, uh, we got eight pounds of stuff and you only got a three pound bag, make it work. I, I think there there comes a point, and maybe it's a social skills thing. Maybe it's a I, you know who, you, we could take that in a, a, a hundred different that, directions. Yeah, we could, but we could spend a whole there's a point at which that. there's there's a point at which I think there's not 
there is, let me say it this way, there is not a habit of assessing that situation in the moment and analyzing it and feeling comfortable or knowing what to say to go back and say, hey, that's eight pounds of stuff and I only have a three pound bag. How do we prioritize this? Because it can't all get done. And I don't know, like I've never seen, let me take that back. Very rarely have I seen, and not for a while have I seen, a business person who was unreceptive to hearing that's too much work for the for what we have available. Mm-hmm. Um, if the conversation is had intelligently, right? If you say no, they're going to lose their shit. That they're not going to respond well if they say, "Here's what needs to be done. Here's when it needs to be done by." And you know that's way more than you can do in that time. And you just say no. What they hear is just no. That's not going to start a good conversation. That's going to go south like in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you if you say that like, "Hey, I understand this is the goal. This is what you'd like to see." But like, we have an iron triangle here, and something's got to give. I, I, I so I so. Uh, uh, asymptotically approaching 100% of the time, the business partner will say, okay, great. Here's the stuff that actually matters or here's how we can rethink about it or, or, Hey, I understand this, but it does all have to get done. But to support that, I can go get extra money to add people to the team or tooling or whatever the thing needs to be to fix the problem and get at it. Mm -hmm. I just see so many engineers. It's not just software developers. It's folks that are adjacent, but are in technology more broadly that just kind of feel like, they have to be Sisyphus, that like they have to be mm. the ones to make this work at their own expense. And I will work two 80 hour weeks in a row to get this done because they said it's what has to happen. And I don't like it. And I'm going to bottle it up and, uh, and internalize all this stress and anger. And I'm going to be pissed about it. And eventually, if somebody doesn't care enough to intervene, I'm going to burn out and leave in a rage, mm-hmm. um, to get it done because that's what has to happen. And it's like, no. You can say, you can raise your hand and say, like, that doesn't sound super realistic. Can we think about this a little differently or unpack what it means? Um, I forgot yeah. what got me started on this whole tangent, but like that, I feel like that is a thing that we struggle with as a, yeah, like we, if I can overgeneralize us as a class, we, we struggle with boundaries. This a bit. We struggle yeah. with, with boundaries it, and it's okay to have boundaries. And I think that's a man, like I said, that's it. That is a whole why do we do this to ourselves? That's a whole other question. The fact is that we do and we shouldn't. So back to the the OP's yeah. question here, what would you do in my situation? I'm not sure I would do anything different. I'd, I I would like to have learned that lesson faster, knowing that now. Uh, yeah. Time estimation becomes, uh, is a super important skill. It's It's less about estimating the time of any one individual task, and it's more about understanding the prioritization of tasks. And it's not your prioritization. That's the other thing here. The technology follows the business, like you said before. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. You want me to take care of this? You just threw this on my desk. Okay, fine. I'll do that. I can pick up and run with this thing. I have to broom the things that I'm working on now. So, A, is that okay? Or B, which of the things gets broomed or what's the order of operations? Which again, digital attorney, you're sort of handing back the situation to them. Here is, here is, it's not my situation. I'm helping you with the situation. It's your situation that you're dealing with. And I'm giving you the information so that you can make a decision that you are happy with. Notice how it's not about you as the engineer. It's now about them. It's about the other party. It's about the customer that you're you're dealing with. I wouldn't do anything different. I actually am very happy. So I'm a front-end, back-end developer. I learned both early on. I'm very glad I did. That has made me not just more versatile. It actually... Like anything else, the more knowledge you have about everything, the more skill and utility you can bring to long. anything. So there's a long tail there. So even if you want to focus on front or back end, knowing how to do both makes you better at the other. It's and that's so that's absolutely true. I would I, I like full stack. I think that's a good way to do things. And as the uh as the ever-present uh proponent of the hot wire stack. I am convinced we're going back in that direction anyway. So you're better off just understanding front and back end collectively. And then as far as UI UX, to me, these are two very different jobs with two. Well, I'm I'm not sure from the comments here. I can't tell when he says UX UI design, that could be, it looks like layout as opposed to graphic design because graphic design, you know, working in Photoshop, Illustrator, dealing with 
like the visual uh, aesthetics. That's a that's a completely different skill set from programming and UI UX, which I I do I do not have. I I trust designers to make myself look pretty, and that's you know that's that's what they bring to the table. But UI UX, I kind of lumped that in front end, back end, database, UI UX, under all of it. Like, uh, like there's, learn. Yeah, there's all of so it. much. There's so much more. I I guess I think, and this won't be a surprise. I think to longtime listeners, but um, generalize until you have to specialize, or generalize until you really are convinced that you want to specialize. You find your, um, your niche. So, and it's not, and so many developers, even the, the framing of that conversation, not to, not to call you out, because I know you'll agree instantaneously, and I know this is what was on your mind, but may not have been the, the full depth of, of what you just said there, Frank, but like, th- th- even, even the framing that's, oh, is it, f- you know, front end, back end, or full stack? No, that's the wrong way to think about it, right? There is front-end code, uh, talking about the web, talking about a web product or web service, right? There's front-end code, there's back-end code, there's database, there's networking, there's security, there's infrastructure, there's change management, there's so IT much. support. There's There are so many different things, and I highly, 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 highly recommend um, everybody go to uh, f- uh, find some passion of yours. Maybe it's a model shipbuilding in a bottle. Maybe it's magic, the gathering. Maybe it's hiking. Maybe who geocaching? Who knows? I'd, pick something you're passionate about. Uh, maybe maybe you like to cook. Right? You want uh, You want your own digital recipe book. Find something that interests you. Figure out a way that you could build a website to 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 solve a pain point you have in that area, and don't friggin' use any accelerants. Go to DigitalOcean or Linode or one of these operations, get a VPS, set up a server yourself, set up a web framework, set up a database, figure out the ports and networking, like struggle do that it. soup struggle to nuts. Through yeah. Struggle through just, just building a simple cat blog. And the reason I say uh, tie it to a passion is because that you will have so much pain and so much heartache and so much heartburn trying to struggle through something as seemingly simple as setting up a cat blog, building a cat blog, you are going to need it to be tied to something that you actually love to, to power and sometimes mm. to power you through the struggle. Um, but even if you don't like, like just struggle through, build that from the, and I'm not saying don't use frameworks or libraries. That's not my point. My point is don't skip a step and say, oh, I'm just going to use Heroku. No, go yeah. build a server, whether buy a PC at Best Buy and host it on that or buy a VPS or an EC2 or whatever it is, a set everything up, definitely do the IT work, do the design work, do the database schema development. Like, because there is so much so much uh, eye-opening. There's so much you will learn mm-hmm. and so much you will begin to appreciate about the broader technology industry writ large going through that exercise that you don't get if you just say, well, is it front-end or back-end or both? Now, maybe OP already really understands technology. Maybe they have some background exposure to the broader technology sector. Maybe they know that, yeah, I just want to narrow down into, into web. And so it's either front-end or back-end or both. But I still... There is a certain day-to-day utility in understanding more about what happens around you that makes you so much more effective at that job. I, I'm just, yeah. And I don't, uh, from the from reading here, uh, OP here is it does not actually have a technical background yet. They're trying to build it. Uh, it looks like they're either currently or recently removed from the army. So thank you for gotcha. your service. Really appreciate that. Absolutely. Uh, trying to find trying to find their their niche professionally moving forward piggybacking on what you just said most if not all of the problems that i have had in dealing with technical integration issues i'm working through a technical issue there's somebody else who is responsible for another part of the system that we're working on and there's there's some conflict and we're trying to resolve it the vast majority of times where that process is difficult it's because one side of that equation doesn't inherently understand some or any of the nuance of the other side. This happens all the time, front-end develop, front only developers dealing with back-end only developers. That one happens a lot. The other one I see is programmers that don't understand databases, like truly don't understand databases. They don't know how to write SQL. 
They've never actually set up their own MySQL or Postgres database. And so they don't understand what data is doing and how it works. These are the same kinds of people who are saying, well, well, why the hell would I use a database? I'll just use NoSQL. I'll just use a document store. This is so much faster and I can distribute it everywhere. You have no understanding of what ACID compliance is and how that actually helps you or how SQL queries help you and, and how to do that properly. Why is, my, why is the client not able to access the web service? Why can't the web service talk to rescue? Why am I getting it? Like, yeah, it's just it's those hurdles fr- all the way down. Yeah, the, the friction points happen at, at the limits of your knowledge. So expand yeah. the limits of your knowledge. You don't need to become an expert in these things, but just being uh, cognizant and yeah. even rudimentary skilled at them makes you And that's you a good call out. That's a good valuable. call out. Because my, my recommendation is not go build a thousand servers. No, it's right? not. Build one. Simple. Just having gone through it so you understand that, oh, in order to in order to set up like you get a VPS, nobody's dealing with physical servers these days. For the most part, you know, there's obviously I, I can hear the typing as soon as I finish that sentence. So <laughs> hate mail to <laughs> fcole at gmail.com. The such a jerk. <laughs> I can hear it. Um it's it's inbound. <laughs> the uh it's it's you're not trying to be an expert system administrator. You're not trying to be an, an an expert network architect. You're not trying to be some pen tester, right? It, the the exercise is just to broaden those horizons. If nothing else, it enables two specific things. Number one, actually three things. Number one, you might discover something that interests you even more than programming um, that you can make a career out of. So that's one thing, but that's ancillary. Uh, the second thing it does is it helps you triangulate what you are doing in the broader team. So yes. if you hit if you hit a team environment, which if you're making money in software, there will be a team, even if you don't think of it that way, it helps you triangulate where your efforts sit and where the boundaries of your responsibility should end and somebody else's should begin. It gives you that situational awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, the, the third thing it does is whenever you, let's, uh, to, to go back to, um, and I know this is going to be a little ooh, but to go back to like an assembly line type thinking for just a second here, if you know what the guy to your left and the girl to your right are doing, if you know what their jobs are and you have done them, it makes you better to take inputs from one and provide outputs to the next, right? It's not just about understanding where you sit in the team. It's about making you more effective at collaborating with the folks around you with whom you have inputs and outputs mm-hmm. um, because you you at least understand some of their challenges. You maybe even are able to speak their language a little more fluently. Um, right. There's so much you learn. To, and again, it, you're not trying to be an expert. You're just trying to have the it's, it's exposure therapy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So bringing it back to this OP, like what would you do? For, I want to try and leave this, this, uh, this person with some, uh, some guidance on what they what they can do today. I would say, sort of got your you know early exposure. Okay, good. Go and find a job doing some of what you're you're talking about here. It's very very difficult, if not impossible, to find a job that would hit all the things that he's talking about: front end, back end, UI UX. That's a that's a senior. That's an architect. That's not a that's not even yeah. a project. Normally, those jobs. Very rarely do companies hire those from outside. And so you're not going to get that coming in the door anyway. So look for a job that has, that's doing some of the work that you want to do that you're generally interested in. Look for something that is looking for people who are fresh to the industry, you know, looking for, for initiate uh, novices. You're not going to want a senior program at the entry level. You want to find something entry level and then just get in there and start doing it. Even if that job is terrible, put in, put in a year, learn, learn what you can, take what you can from that position, and then use that to springboard to the next one. That's the other thing that I think a lot of people don't necessarily realize. The longest I have ever stayed in a single position is three years. Over the course of my career, the absolute longest I have ever had a tenure anywhere is three years. Now, that's not because I'm job jumping. I'm not job hopping deliberately. That's just it's just the natural rhythm. And just flow. accidentally get fired every 18 months. 
that's like in uh, Batman Begins, I think, where he's like, oh, you know, Mr. Wayne didn't want you to think he was, uh, you know, intentionally wasting your time. And he goes, no, just accidentally wasting. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, the, the notion of of movement insider industry it's 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 very very fluid um there is not an expectation of long tenure it does happen it can happen i would love for it to happen but new opportunities present themselves at places other than the current place you work or you're parlaying the skill that you have the skill that you have gained to do a higher level position that simply isn't available at the current place that you work both of these situations are fine these are okay reasons to leave they don't you know they're not points against you so never feel like you're stuck, but take take whatever job you can find doing whatever work you can, get the exposure, and then use that to springboard into something new. Maybe it's at the current employer, maybe it's at a different one, but it's that exposure. Yeah. And anytime you have an opportunity inside of the job that you get to learn new things, because that's the, you know, they talk about the job description. Here's the thing yeah. you're going to do. And here, you know, and clearly everything that I didn't say in here, you're never going to touch. That's that's sort of how we all think about it. That's complete bunk because you'll get in there and organic opportunities come up all the time. You just have to have the wherewithal to jump on them when they come around. That's all you got to yeah. do. And, and there's a sliding scale here because I think about, okay, well, what kind of job should I get? Is that like a small company, big company? I think that's a slider. I think the Can smaller... Be, yeah. The smaller and younger the company is, the, there's more opportunity for you to do more things, right? With a smaller company, more people are wearing more hats. And so there's there's uh, a direct opportunity for you to be actively involved in more different things like the infrastructure, the networking, the security, the UI, the, all of that sort of stuff. Um, at a larger company, what you gain is typically there are departments for that, which means you have experts in that thing. And people that know things in technology love teaching other people about their piece of technology. And so you have access to folks who will be happy to show you the ropes and teach you the things. And I, they also have formalized training. That's the other thing yeah. that jumps out at me. And they you can direct have, you. Yeah. Yeah. You won't have the training stuff in smaller companies, but it's it's a pro con thing formalized training but it's going to be specific to certain roles and certain mm-hmm. tasks and things like that and so you're going to be more narrowly pigeonholed you won't get as much variety of mm-hmm. exposure smaller companies it's more free form you have to be comfortable in that undefined space and so if that's yeah. you smaller companies can work better because then it's more open you can do whatever the hell you want you don't even have to yeah. wait for somebody to say something you can go to your boss and say you hey, just go do it. Yeah. Hey, I have this in interest in doing this thing, and it looks like we have a need for it over here. Can I go explore that? Sure. Yeah. Yes. Go and check it out. Please and thank you. Please and thank you for taking <laughs> care of this problem for us. Yes. There, there's a there's a pro and a con to both. I can see benefits for people starting their career in either space. My, we've talked about this before. My general feeling is that you'll have more growth opportunity and more flexibility in smaller organizations. But for a starter, using a large org to get some initial exposure and then springboarding that out, that can be that can be a good thing. Um, just be wary of being institutionalized. That's really the big risk. Yeah. With, with I mean, yeah. with, with any organization, it can and happen, right- but especially with big orgs, that can happen. You don't want that. Uh-huh. You want your you don't want to get yourself so locked into a certain tool set, skill set, style of work that you don't want that. You want to be flexible. And that means moving around. Yeah. And, and, and OP sensitive to having a quote ungodly amount of work. I think like you, unless you know a startup founder, you're not going to be the only technologist in the yeah, company as the startup, right and you're, so you're, as a novice you're not going to be the only one period no there's not no not out of school right no and so and so there's always going to be somebody else around um to to field questions so make friends right. with them wherever yeah. you land make friends with those folks yeah exactly there you go that's what that's uh asking the internet we must keep this from the serfs lest they gain literacy and threaten the landed gentry <laughs> We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep this one on the docket for the, for the future, but there's plenty of, uh, there's plenty of Q and a out there that I'm sure we could probably, uh, fill in our unwarranted and unwanted two cents and maybe answer some helpful B 
be helpful to to others out there that yeah. are asking things into the ether. So uh, if you have any advice of your own for OP, uh, you think we've got it wrong, uh, feel free to email us. Feedback at refactor.work is how you would do that. Uh, you can send us an email that we'll read on the show, or, or you can uh, use voice recorder on your phone and email us that recording, and we'll be happy to play it on the show in the worst possible light, make you look like <laughs> a complete buffoon. Um, refactor.work is our primary web presence, and it does have a back episode, uh, back archives of, of shows and notes, links, book recommendations still no technology recommendations we're working on that page i'm working on that page um, sure you are just like I i'm have, working uh, on this last episode <laughs> just like that <laughs> just, yeah, like, just that. like that uh, i have another neglected website at chris.tonkinson.com and frank's got one at hot coals k-o-e-g-l-s.com less dis- uh, slightly less slightly only less. slightly only slightly, only slightly. Um, so you can check us out there we'd love to engage with you this has been episode 94 of the Refactored Podcast, recorded January 10th, 2023. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, buddy. See you later.